Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. All right, so here's, here's a story. I'm going to start it off with. Um, so when Sean and I lived in India, we lived in a little tiny mountain town. And I say, I say tiny. It was probably like 15,000. It's about the size of Warrensburg-ish without the college and the Air Force Base, right? So just it's about 20,000 people. And we walked everywhere we went because that's just the culture there and that's how it is. So you're up and down on a mountainside, right? And part of, in one of the areas of the town that we lived in, there was a man that lived there um, and he was, he was not in his right mind. And I don't know, I know that the Catholic charities have come out to that area and they have homes for those who are mentally disabled, um, but... He wasn't in that home, and I, I want to say that he wouldn't allow himself to stay, you know, but he was, he was so severely disabled that he was oftentimes out of his right mind um, in, in violence and in crazy acts and um, filth and grime and, like, just, you know, it, it always reminded me of when Jesus showed up on the shore and out of the tombstone came somebody who was just so demonically possessed that they, that they had been broken, they'd broken all the chains, they couldn't be bound up. He was not quite that bad, but he was, he was very severely handicapped. And, um, and a lot of the Christian ministries had tried to work with him, from what I remember, and um, he, he wasn't receptive to a lot of the help. And so some of the things that we, we found that we, we wanted to find out about was the culture and the community we were at. So we were in, instead of it being, we weren't in a highly Hindu culture, we were actually in a highly Tibetan Buddhist culture, so more of a Buddhism in the way that they thought in the, way, in the area that we lived. And um, this man had dreadlocks, he was filthy, his pants actually had massive holes that was... Not um, like you could see things that should not be being seen on people and those types of things. We had, um, you know, people had given him clothes and he would throw them in the dumpster. He wouldn't change his outfits and he wouldn't shift anything. And, um, and so what we found out was that the local people would, would, put their, would put food out for him. And so they would, they would help him stay alive by making sure that he always had food. And he wasn't really safe to bring into their homes, okay? Like, he wasn't a safe man to be around. So they couldn't bring them in with their children. But they would go out and they would give him, like, they would put out their, their rice and all the, their, their main food, and they would have it out for him to come and eat. And we would walk by and we'd see him, like, like sitting there and eating the food. And, um, and so we were, we were talking to, to the Buddhist people, and we were like, why, why do you... Why do you feed this man? Not challenging, not saying they shouldn't. Just what's happening in them. Because what we saw was an incredible culture of acts of kindness. These people took care of animals. Like they would feed the stray animals. They'd feed like the stray, like the stray dogs and all that stuff. They would have food out for, for this. And now they're feeding this, this man who is um, clearly struggling with life. And, um, and their response to me, I think, is... What I really want you to hear today, all right? The response was, well, we're Buddhist. 
And so every time we do good deeds, we get merit. And so that merit, as it accumulates, helps us to actually be able to get into nirvana. And so we do good deeds because we're actually earning something from the gods. When we talk about honor, we're not talking about that. Because what you heard that from that, they were kind, they were generous, they were always treating people well, they were treating the straight animals well, they were doing good deeds. Sometimes their good deeds actually looked better than the Christians that we knew. But the intention of their hearts was actually me-focused. It was about me. It was about me doing what was right so that I could someday become nothing, which is their culture, right? That's, that's what they understand. But their good deeds weren't even to be seen by men, but it was to be seen by God. Sounds almost right, doesn't it? It almost sounds right. It almost sounds really holy and righteous. But do you see how it's just a little bit twisted? Do you see how the perspective of I'm doing these good deeds so that, that, that God would notice me and do what I want for him or do what I want him to do for me? Their shift, their perspective was just off enough that it makes it all wrong. When we talk about a culture of honor, when we talk about honor, can, can any of you guys remind me what honor is based out of? It's based out of value, right, and respect. But it's value because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for people. The blood of Jesus was the price tag that was put on every single person. It's what creates value in the human being. It's the blood of Jesus who came and he said, he died so that every person in the world would be saved because he loves them, right? He gave his life so that they would be redeemed and set free. So when he did that for every single person, even this man who was broken and hurting, he, he called that person, he said they have value, they have worth, they have identity, right? It was an act of honor that Jesus did for these people. Do you see that? When we are looking at people the illustration I, have, I had earlier this week was, was like to, to use you know, the, the woman on the street who's a prostitute, who's completely out of her mind on drugs, and who's prostituting her daughter out because she needs her fix. That woman is so incredibly valuable. That woman is so incredibly valuable. Her daughter is so incredibly valuable. The men, the men, women who are selling the drugs to her, they're incredibly valuable. And the reason they're valuable is because the king of kings came and he gave his life for them. Right? The difference between the Buddhist mindset that has pervaded our culture, let me be clear, right? The New Age culture, that whole thing has invaded our culture is that when I do these good deeds, I'm earning something from God. And I'm here to tell you that we have to draw a hard line in our heart and we really need to check ourselves. 
Because if that is the reason why we're doing good deeds, we've got it all wrong. We love that person, that, that woman who's a prostitute, who's prostituting out her daughter. Because Jesus died for her. And he has so, he has proclaimed value over her. And out of love for her, because of the love of Christ in us, we have to shift the way that we see her. Not because our good deed is going to get us somewhere, but because we genuinely love them like Christ loves them. Do you see the difference? Guys, when we do good deeds, if we're just doing it, God, I did all these good things, now you need to do something for me. That is a mindset of the world that is all the other religions, but it's not what Christ is about. We have to make a full break from that. We don't do things for God so that he does things for us. Jesus, I have gone to church every single day for my whole life, and I have prayed, so that means you have to heal me. I'm not earning merit with Jesus, right? Over here, it's the understanding that when I'm looking at people, and we're going to keep it in the context of honor, when I'm looking at people, I'm not, when I'm talking, Marie had, I was chatting with Marie about this, and, and she had said such a great example. She was like, she goes, oh, it's that perspective of, you know, when I am kind to somebody who's irritating me, oftentimes I'm kind because I don't want to look like I'm not kind. It's me. I'm trying to protect myself. I'm not trying to honor God in that moment. I'm actually just trying to protect myself from looking like the bad guy in this situation. Right? When I am doing a good deed for somebody because I see their brokenness and I feel pity and I know that as a Christian, that's what I should do. And so out of obligation, we do something good for somebody. We're missing it still. It's a good step. Start with obedience. All right? But when you recognize that your obedience doesn't have your heart attached to love in it, repent and start asking him to shift the way that you, your heart responds. Right? Because we should be acting in obedience. We should be doing good things because God asks us to do good things. Not so we can earn something, but because he asks us to. You know, he's, he is our Lord. And so when he asks us to step over here and to do this, I do it out of obedience. But when I recognize my sin, which is a lack of love for that person, I got to repent. I got to shift in the way that I think. And I'm, I'm encouraging you guys today to kind of to just take a minute and to think about when you are, when you're generous, when you're frustrated with that person, that one person who just irritates the stuff out of you, and you choose to be kind, what's your motivation? Is it motivated by the way that I'm going to be seen by men? Is it motivated by just obeying God? Or is it motivated by an act of love where we actually are looking at that person and we see value all over them? You know, because we have to get there. We have to get to a place where love is everywhere. Where literally when we walk out into the road and we see a broken, hurt person, love compels us to shift. When we see that person 
who is despised by the world, who is doing despicable things. We should love them like Christ loved them. We don't just help them or be kind to them. We should actually let our love be turned on. We should engage our heart. Does that make sense? It's really important that we get this. So Sean ended last week in, um, or near the end of his message, he, he ended with 1 Peter um, 2.17. And, um, and I really feel like this is a great, this is the, a great scripture to kind of just remember as we, as we think about, I, we, wanna, we, we always have said here, we, we've created a culture of honor. And I'm, I'm here to just kind of encourage you guys as we finish this up to say, a culture of honor isn't this over here where we're doing good deeds so that we can be noticed by God so that we can get something from him. We're not doing good deeds so that maybe we can eke it into heaven. Right? That's not the way that the kingdom of God works. Jesus paid it all. We agree with that death and resurrection and the covering of his blood over our life. And we step into him becoming Lord over us. And from that place of of, um, servanthood, really, is where we begin to become like him. Right? So we don't just act because it makes him happy that we're doing good things or we're acting well. We actually want to become like him. If God is love, then we should be love. If God is merciful, then we should be merciful. If God is gracious, then we should be If God is kind, we should be right. Do you guys see how the fruit of the Spirit is how we should become, not just act? From the inside of our heart, from the place that our heart is, the place that we rest, the way that our mind thinks, we actually have to become that, not just act it as a facade. Okay? And so when we see people, the idea, the culture of honor is literally that we're asking you guys to begin to do repentance, which is to change your mind, to change the way you think. So you are literally going from thinking like the world does or even just making sure that my actions look Christ-like to going, God, I don't want to just act like this. I want to be that. I want that to define who I am. I want somebody to see me and to say, Misty is kind like Jesus is. Misty is so full of grace like Jesus is. Do you see that? It's different than just the action, right? Because it's a heart posture. All right, so honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Okay, we've talked a lot about honor. Honor is a place where we recognize value. Actually, let me give you the next, the next slide. It actually has the definitions broke down. Don't cheat and keep reading. We just stick on the honor at the top. Honor in respect of worth. We're, we're recognizing and respecting somebody on their worth based on their worth, to treat graciously, to honor with reverent service all people, to honor with reverent service all people. Think about that woman again, this woman who lives on the streets, who's broken and hurt. She's been abused. She's been, right? She's caught up in things that she is horribly ashamed about but doesn't know how to get free from. And because of all of her addictions, she's doing something that she herself knows is the worst thing she can do, and she's selling her children out 
into prostitution, right? That woman receives that honor from us. What would it look like if our church began to notice those people and to begin to serve them with reverent service? If we would revere them, if we would look at them and go, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in all my life. Like, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you realize how much he has for you? Like, if we can begin to look at people Now, don't just think about her because she's a miscellaneous person, right? She's a person that we can come and go from. But think about the person who literally makes you angry every time you think about them. Literally, they cross your mind and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with that person. I hope they never step foot into church. Yeah, oh. (laughs) We say that. That would make me feel uncomfortable. Guys, what would happen if we would start to not just treat them like this, but actually love them like God's calling us to love. We would honor them with reverent service. Isn't that what it says? Like, don't just say that, like, don't just love your friends. Even the world does that, but we're supposed to love our enemies, right? This is action. This is an action step. Honor is an action step, You honor somebody with reverent service. We begin to look at them and we say, okay, Jesus, what is it that you are wanting me to do for this person who just makes me angry every time I talk to them? How can I serve them today? How can I treat them today with respect? How do I treat the boss who every time he sees me, he just cusses me up one side and down the other and screams in my face all the time? How do I treat him with reverent service? Would you change my heart so that I can understand how you love him and the value and the worth that you place on him so that every time I see that him, I'm overwhelmed by the kindness and the love of the Father over his life? What would it do in our culture if we shifted it? I'm asking you guys to not just make this a hypothetical question in your life, but it would be a challenge for you to start going after it. Okay? Let's watch and see. Let's prove to the world what it does. Okay? Let's make a shift here. All right, the next one is, so honor all people, love the brotherhood. Okay, the brotherhood is what? The church. It's Christ ones. It's people who have said yes to the shed blood of Jesus and have stepped into the kingdom. Okay, so we have a baseline of truth here. We're supposed to honor every single person, right? From, what do they call them, the Johns who are, prostituting little girls, right? We're supposed to love them and treat them with honor. Why? Because Christ died for them, right? He died for them. He died for that broken person, right? We're supposed to treat everybody with honor. There's no respecter. It's not, oh, you're the scum of the earth, so I can treat you like that. That's, that's not who Jesus says we are, right? So we are commanded to honor all people. That's the baseline. And then we have a step up in responsibility of to love the brethren, to love those who are in the church. And that doesn't just mean people who are in harvest. It means the church is down the street, right? We're not in a war with them. We're not trying to take the few Christians in the community. We actually are called 
to go make disciples, right? So we're supposed to actually go birth new Christians, right? Like, we have plenty of room in our churches for everybody. And if we don't, we can build some more churches, right? Like, we don't have to be in a war with these other churches. They are all gifts from the Lord to do something specific in our community. We get to bless them, right? So we love the brotherhood. We have an extra responsibility to treat them differently. And that means to value them, to esteem them, to manifest generous concern for them. What does that mean? When you're concerned for them, you do something with generosity, right? It means to make it plain. Manifest means to make it visible. So you actually do something. It's a call to action. It's a call to service. We love people. We do something for them. That's what it means to manifest generous concern for. We delight in them. We get excited when Northside opens up a new church service and they have five services running. We're super excited for them. We're, we're blessing them, right? We're sowing into, and, and Harvest has done this, you know, I think they've done it really well. They've sown into different churches in the community because we felt like the Lord told us to, right? Like, it's fun to get to generously bless the brotherhood, right? This is what it's called. It's a step up. All right, the next one is to fear God, all right? And that is to revere, to treat with difference or reverential obedience. Do you know what that means? To fear God, or the the Passion Translation says holy awe of God, to have holy awe of him. It actually means that we do something with our reverence. We don't just go, oh, God, I adore you, and then I leave and I do whatever I want the rest of the week. Right? It actually means we do something. We obey him with difference. We, we treat him different. We treat God differently. That's what it says, treat with difference. Reverential obedience. We recognize that he is holy and he is worthy, and we step into a place of obedience to him. Do you see how every single one of these actually has action steps attached to it? There's action steps attached to every single command here. And the last one is honor the king. And Sean talked a lot about that last week. If you missed it, it's really, it's a great message because he's talking about about honoring those in authority over you and what that looks like, what that means. And he breaks it down really easy for you. And um, I want to say that it's like, it's definitely something you should go back and listen to because it's worth hearing because it's a challenge to the way that our American culture thinks. All right, especially with those in authority over us. Many of us, because we believe we are a very independent nation and we kind of have this feeling that we don't have to be subject to anybody, right? But I would say, as believers, we are subject to God first, and then He tells us to honor the King. So that means we're also subject to our leadership. But if you want to understand what that means, listen to His message. I'm not going to teach about it, okay? But do you see how there's a sandwich of honor? There's a sandwich of honor. You can't get away from it. Everything that he's saying in this scripture verse has honor in the front and honor in the back. There's no escape. There's no person that doesn't have any except fors in this. Do you see any except fors? Except for that one guy who can never be saved. That's right? It's not the truth. There's no except for it in this. It's all people. Do you know the word all means? It, it really means all. That's, 
That's what the Greek means. It's all, right? It's everything. It's all-encompassing, right? So when it says to honor all people, let me remind you that you're included in that all people. Yeah. <laughs> I honor myself. When I look in the mirror, I have to honor the person in the mirror just like I honor anybody else. I'm not part of the except for. Because there isn't one. Right? So when I stand in front of the mirror and I'm practicing honor out here, but then I tear myself up, I'm thinking that there's an except for in here. And I'm missing it, aren't I? Right? Romans 12.10 has two different... I have two different translations here. The first one is, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one one another in honor. And then um, the other translation that that can actually mean that the NASB says is, Outdo one another in showing honor. How many of you are competitive? Right? So guess what you get to do? You should have raised your hand. (laughs) <laughs> so, so this, but this is the thing. We're supposed to outdo one another in showing honor. Do you know what that means? That means we have scriptural right to get competitive in this. You want to get competitive in something? Start calling people to task. Hey, I was able to show honor five times this week because I had a whole bunch of people who were jerks to me, and I was able to love them well. What about you? What did you do this week? Did you, did you display honor? Did you just act in honor? Or did you actually have it going on in your heart? Because I had it going on in my heart. Right? We get to outdo one another. Right? This is a challenge, guys. Step into that as a challenge. Start calling people. This is what discipleship looks like, really. Right? Like It's calling people to account for their abilities. It's accountability. We have permission to get competitive here. All right? The Passion Translation just words it so beautifully. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers. And we could use some of that in the church, couldn't we? Instead of tearing each other apart. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Do you see that? Like, it's not saying act like it. It's saying be it. Right? So I, I want to challenge you guys that start, start challenging people here. Hey, you heard that message. Who did you honor this week? How did your heart respond? Let's take a step up in the culture of honor where when people really frustrate us, we begin to serve them with love. What would that look like? What would that change in our culture? When the cashier is doing everything in her ability to just be as slow and painful. She won't listen. She won't hear you, right? And you begin to serve her in love. What would that look like? For somebody in the church, that meant they grabbed a bottle of water and they bought it with their own money and handed it to the cashier because she needed it that day. What if we see people like Jesus sees them and treats them with water? 
right? Isn't that what he did with the woman at the well? He actually asked her for water, but what he was offering her was something far above that, right? He saw her. Culturally, she was the scum of the earth in his culture, and she was a she, and that meant that a he should never have spoken to her. She was below him in every way, in the way that their culture thought, and yet he saw her, and he loved her, and he honored her, right? He had value. He didn't just act like it. He actually loved her. He actually cared for her, right? He actually was the, she was the first person he revealed his divinity to. Okay, now we have... I, I came across this. So one another in the Bible, in the New Testament, is referring to the way that we treat believers, okay? So we have the understanding. We have a baseline for honor of every single person and human institutions, right? So we have that perspective. We just read that. And I want to just take a minute. And I, um, I have a small list. Don't pull it up yet. I want to talk about it first of one another's, and these are commands that are throughout the New Testament. They're not, I don't have scripture references. If you want the list, I can print it off for you and give it to you. I did not create it. I found it, and it was really, really great. But what I want you to see is the way that, like, every single, none of them, actually, I don't think any of them say the word honor, but all of them have the essence of honor, okay? And I want you guys to see it for a minute. I'm not going to stay on each one. I'm not going to talk about them, but I'm going to read them off to you, okay? Think about this in terms of the way that we act in honor from our heart, all right? So let's read through them. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Don't bite, devour, or consume one another. Wouldn't that be nice? Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. Don't complain against one another. Through love, serve one another. Be devoted to one another in love and encourage and build up one another. Do you see how honor literally is just pouring out of that? Guys, what does Jesus say about the church? He said, you, they will know you by your love. Honor is, is a huge aspect of love. We can't love without honor. If we say that we love somebody and we are constantly dishonoring them, then we're lying. We're liars. That's just what it is. We are not walking in the truth. If we are constantly saying, I love you, but I am never respectful and I'm always tearing you down, and I have no value or worth for you? It's not love, right? Honor always comes with love. The world will know us by our love, right? The way that we treat each other, and they're going to be jealous for it because they've never seen people who treat each other like that. And right now, our Christian culture is not treating each other with honor, right? Our churches are tearing people apart. We're not always walking in the kindness, but I want to say for harvest, we want to create a culture of honor so that love can actually flow from us. Because without that, we can't love well. 
without respect and honor and value of every single human that stands in front of us at any time of the day or night, doing anything that they're doing, whether it's beautiful or terrible, that person has value. And when we can see that, it shifts things for us. Right? Okay, I'm going to recap and make us make this come to an end here. Here we go. Honor begins in the mirror. I'm saying don't cheat. So when I say honor begins in the mirror, I don't mean self-love. I'm not talking about the new age perspective of, of just, you know, trying to figure out how to love myself. I'm actually saying this, that my identity and my value lies in what the Father and the Son say about me, not in the way that I think. And so when my thoughts and my heart don't line up with the word of God, then I have to repent until it shifts. Repent is to change your mind. It's not just, I'm sorry, God, I, I, I'm failing here. It's, it's a, God, I think I'm missing something. I'm missing a revelation of who you are to me, of who you say I am, of my identity in you. And so then I need to shift. Would you please renew my mind through the reading of the word so that I can come into alignment with who you say I am? That's repentance. Repentance isn't an I'm sorry. It's a change in the way that I think. It's renovating my mind until my mind lines up with Jesus, right? With the word of God. So honor begins in the mirror. My identity and my value lies in what the Father and the Son say about me, not in what I think. Honor all people. Sean has talked about this. He talked about it in the beginning when he, when he first started this series. He talked about it last week again, you know, about the fact that, that we are to honor every single person and our authorities, right? Those in authority over us. Every person has value because Christ died for them and paid for their release. Jesus is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering, right? When we love people and we can love them into the kingdom, Jesus is receiving the reward of his suffering, right? When we love Jesus with everything in us, that's what the, that's what the, the greatest, like that's, yeah, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything in us. Right? And out of that overflow of love for him, we become like him, and we begin to love everybody in front of us. And then they move into the kingdom, and they begin to love every single person. And how do you know? Like, every, like, can you imagine how fast the ripples of that would go out into the world? Right? Because it just what you have received, you freely give, and then that person receives from Jesus, and they freely give out. And suddenly it's just constantly adding people to the kingdom. You know, and the last thing is this, honor is visible. It's not just an idea. True honor is noticeable to those you interact with. Everybody has had encounters with people who have been extremely dishonoring to us. And all of us have had encounters with somebody who has been honorable. We know what it looks like. We know what it feels like, right? We know the difference in the way that it comes across to us. And I would say this, if people are telling you that you're being dishonorable or disrespectful, you might need to adjust the way that you're responding. Right? But I would say this, we want to be as Jesus is. Right? We want to become, we want to be like him when we grow up. Right? So, so it's this perspective. Jesus displayed honor in the biggest way possible. 
And we then take that and we reflect that back to humanity around us. But it should always be visible. And we're checking our heart. What's my motivation? My motivation is between me and Jesus, right? My motivation is, is between me and him. And if I need to adjust that because I'm just walking in obedience, I'm not walking in love, then I need to, I need to repent until I can walk in love. I need to change the way that I think, right? And so, and so but our, the way that people see us, they should see honor all over us. We should leak respect and honor and value for those who are above us, those who are on the same level as us, and those who are below us, and those who we don't necessarily think God should have died for. Amen. Right? We have to begin to reflect Jesus because it's because who we are, not because it's a good thing to do. And so I challenge you from, from this perspective, from the very beginning of my message, we're not earning merits with God by doing good things. That's not Christianity at all. There's a big difference in world religions, and this is one of them. We don't have to earn a place with God. Because his son opened up seats right next to him. Right? It says in Ephesians that we are sitting on the throne next to Jesus. Right? In heavenly places. He opened up his seat. You know how it feels to have somebody honor you so much that when you show up and there's no space for you, they go, and they make space for you? That's what Jesus did for us. Right? Do you see that? He scooted over on the throne. And he was like, come on. Come up here with me. You know, we make space. Jesus made space for us. And we get to do that for other people because that's the command, right? We're supposed to go into all the world and share the gospel. The gospel is love. The gospel is that somebody saw value in that human and he wants him as part of his kingdom because it brings honor and glory to Jesus. All right? Okay, so we're going to be moving on from here into Christmas theme about Jesus. It's going to be so good in the next few weeks. So, God, we just, yeah, would you forgive us for in any time, God, that we have thought maybe that our good deeds were earning us favor with you. God, would you break that worker's mindset, the, um, the need to perform for your goodness, for your favor, God? Would you break that off of us? Because we know that that's not who you are. God, we don't want to be like the people who are just trying to get something for ourselves. God, we want to love people because you love them. We want to actually see them for the value and the, and the person that you've called them to be and, and to call it out and to walk alongside and to get messy with them, Jesus, because that's what you've called us to do. And so, God, we just, we just ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for the people that we walk by and we don't notice. Because you notice them all, God. Would you open up our ears to be able to hear your whispers so that when you say, see that one and do something about it, God, that we would have eyes to see that one and to do something with it. Jesus, we just, yeah. Would you forgive us for just blindly going about our life thinking that my Christianity is all about me and, yeah, and as long as I'm being nice to those around me that I'm a good Christian, God, would you help us to begin to love truly? to honor those, to love people, to shift our culture so much so that people notice and they crave what we have, God.
Yeah, we want to be like you when we grow up. And I just, I personally, and I would just say, if you guys can agree with this in your heart, like make this commitment to the Lord. I just personally continue to commit to being so humble that when you tell me to adjust something, God, that I'm so willing to do it. Jesus, I want to reflect you in every single way of my life, God. In my values, in my speech, in my conduct, in the way that I think, in what happens in my heart, God. I want to reflect you and I want to reflect your love. Yeah, I want to be holy like you are holy, God. In all my ways, in all my actions, to all my attitude, and in all of my heart posture, God. Jesus name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.